Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, folks. If you've got a New Year's resolution to improve your English... Hopefully my podcast can help you by giving you plenty of stuff to listen to, but it might also be a good idea to organise some one-to-one lessons for conversations or maybe sort of work on specific areas of your English with a qualified teacher online. It's very easy to have one-to-one lessons now. You just do it on Skype or something like that. And then you can just be at home and have an English lesson with a real person. It's uh, a great idea. And italki, my sponsor for this episode, is uh, the ideal service to help you find the right person, basically. They've got loads of teachers to choose from. You can look at all their details, watch little introductory videos, have trial lessons with them. And then it's very easy to organise, for example, could be you know a schedule of sort of 10 one-hour lessons over the next couple of months or something like that. Um, and uh, when you buy some talking time, italki will send you a voucher for a free lesson because you listen to this podcast. To get all the information and to get the offer, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash talk or click an italki logo on my website. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello and welcome back to Luke's English Podcast. Here is the second part of this double episode I'm doing here at the beginning of this new decade. In this episode, I'll be continuing to refresh the podcast for 2020 with this double ramble in which I'm talking about the kinds of things you normally talk about in the new year period. What I did during my holiday, my New Year's resolutions, some of my plans for the future for the podcast, and also a chance to re-establish some of the main aims for this show. Also, I'll be talking about my daughter's English and our efforts to bring her up to be bilingual. Um, So this is part two. You should also listen to part one of this first, which is the previous episode. So then we'll just carry on. And my next uh, question here that I wrote for myself is, uh, do you have any New Year's resolutions? Well, I'm actually going to ask you first. Do you have any New Year's resolutions? Maybe your New Year's resolution is to improve your English, which is one of the reasons you're listening to this. Uh, If that's the case, then I hope you stick with it. The best results from this podcast come from a combination of just listening a lot and enjoying and being involved in what you listen to, but also in noticing language as it comes up as well. Also, you can get my premium lessons by uh, registering for Luke's English Podcast Premium on my website. Um, so, you know, those are things that can help you with your English if, in fact, that is one of your resolutions. I mean, one of the main things, really, I think, if you've decided to turn over a new leaf and sort of make a fresh start and to brush up on your English, maybe your English is rusty and you've decided enough is enough, it's time to try and make a difference to it. Um, one of the main things, the most important things you can do is just get your attitude and motivation in place because motivation is the real driver for all the other things that are necessary in learning a language. Motivation is the driving force. It's it's like the it's like the fuel in the vehicle. You know, it's like putting fuel in the car. Without the motivation, you can't actually really achieve anything. Because motivation gives you that push which allows you to 
do more and do things more regularly and actually to care about what you're doing as well. And when I say doing, I mean, you know, absorbing, consuming English by reading it and listening to it, but also in practice, in actually doing things and also the way you feel about the English that you use while you're using it. And there needs to be a certain kind of stubborn determination to just kind of carry on, even though there are various setbacks along the way, like, for example, you fail to communicate or you say something wrong or you reflect on something and you feel bad about it. You need a sort of stubborn determination to just be like, oh, never mind all that stuff. This is all just part of the process and I just need to keep on keeping on. You just keep going. So I would say certainly motivation is really important. You've got to find your real personal reason for learning the language. It's not just something you acquire. It's something that becomes part of who you are. You need to find your voice in English. And that means kind of caring about the language and sort of feeling a kinship with it in some form. And English is actually a very generous language. I think it's almost like an open source language these days because um, arguably it's not just owned by native speakers who use the language and learn it from from childhood. It's also owned by the international community who use English to do all sorts of different things, you know, business and diplomacy and just even just getting to know people on holiday, uh, you know, all that sort of stuff. So um, I think that English is this kind of open source thing that uh, anyone around the world is using. So you should feel that you are uh, sort of in a sense an owner of the language that the language is yours that's the thing about english it belongs to everyone so you know you're welcome to it basically so get your motivation straight and that will help you basically do things like practice to uh, make sure you don't give up because one of the main reasons people don't le- learn a language is because they kind of give up so you've got to just keep going uh, and just be sort of stubborn about it you know just refuse to give up and hopefully you enjoy it too. You've really got to enjoy your experience when you're learning a language because that personal level of care is going to make language stick more effectively. It's where it's not you're not just taking in language, you're really focusing on it um, as well. And that's, you know, attitude is all I'm going to say. You've just got to make sure that you really care about learning English and that you see, see it as something that you own, that it's your space and that you shouldn't be sort of put off by certain setbacks like making mistakes and things like that. It's all part of a general process. Um, But do I have any New Year's resolutions? I don't really have any specific ones. I've got just a general load of thoughts. You know, in the previous part of this episode, I was talking about those times when I'm just sort of got a moment to myself, like when my daughter was sleeping during the holiday or when I was having a uh, a nap while she was sleeping or just before going to sleep, just thinking about stuff. And, you know, I was thinking about the usual New Year resolutions and things. And I've just been trying to put it all together, but I don't really have one specific thing. It's such as, I guess, a general case of trying to promote a sense of well-being, right, and happiness, trying to foster happiness, which is actually a huge subject, the subject of happiness, and is something that I think could be a really good episode of the podcast if I managed to prepare it properly. Just the whole notion of happiness and how to be happy. I read a book by um, someone I've mentioned on this podcast before, Darren Brown. It's all about happiness, that subject. So if I if I actually finish that book, I could maybe distill some of the thoughts into it. Anyway, focusing on just trying to be, you know, just trying to be happy. And that is in certain habits and stuff, but also a general approach to life. So I've written here, I'm going to try to avoid comment sections on websites on YouTube 
and Twitter and stuff. I do spend a good deal of time when I'm watching videos on YouTube. I kind of scan down, scroll down and look at some of the uh, comments in the comment section. And sometimes it's a horrible, gruesome place to go. Depending on the video, you get horrible arguments and all sorts of viewpoints and uh, and um, horrors and stuff in there. And I find it generally quite depressing. It's the same thing on Twitter. You can kind of get lost in a Twitter uh, rabbit hole and you end up reading some comments that, uh, you, you know, it's not just stuff you disagree with because I often actively search for stuff that uh, is contrary to the, to the way I see the world. I look for uh, views I disagree with in order to try and understand where they're coming from. But then you just read some hateful stuff. It's like hateful speech. And that's just depressing. So I'm going to try to limit my consumption of comments in YouTube and Twitter and stuff. And then I've just written some other notes like this. Just work hard, get a good routine, eat well, don't drink too much, be loving with my loved ones, organize things with my wife, get my bike fixed, keep working on the podcast and trying to make it better all the time. Um, and I'm not even mentioning my daughter, but that's, I mean, that just, um, goes without saying, obviously I'm going to enjoy, uh, another 12 months of watching my daughter grow up and she's going to be, it's going to be a big year for her because she goes to school, believe it or not, in September. She's not even going to be three years old and she'll be going to school. Um, that's just kind of the way it goes here in France, but it's not exactly proper school. It's kind of little school, but anyway, obviously I'll be enjoying that, but, um, Here's something I saw Billy Bragg tweet the other day. Billy Bragg is a songwriter, guitarist, singer from England. This is something that I saw him tweet the other day, and it's some New Year's rules by a folk singer called Woody Guthrie. I think he must have... He probably wrote these rules in the 50s or 60s. That's Woody Guthrie, an American folk singer. Um, And Billy Bragg tweeted this thing. It's kind of basically an infographic. So some artist has turned... Uh, Woody Guthrie's New Year's rules into some kind of infographic and I thought it was quite good and I intend to follow some of these steps so I'm just going to read through it. Woody Guthrie's New Year's rulings. First one is just work more and work better and there's a picture of him playing the guitar like practicing. Work by a schedule or in America they'd say schedule. Um, it's That's a good idea you've got to stay organized keep to some kind of schedule so you know exactly what you're going to do and when you're going to do it. And then stick to it. Uh, wash your teeth. Brush your teeth if you have any. Right? Look after your teeth. You're going to need them. Shave. Well, I haven't been following that one because I've, I'm bearded at the moment. Can you hear it? I don't know if you can hear it rubbing on the microphone. But I'm, I'm fully bearded right now. And I don't plan to shave it off. My wife says that she prefers it. So, you know, got to keep the wife happy. So the beard is going to stay for a while. Getting a haircut tomorrow, though. Oh, I don't like getting a haircut. But anyway, getting a haircut while it's happening is horrible. As After it's happened, uh, it's uh, amazing. I feel, uh, I just feel brand new. <laughs> um, take a bath. Well, I would take a bath, but I don't have a bath in my apartment. So that's that's been struck off. Eat well. Eat, you know, a balanced diet, obviously. Write a song a day. Well, I, I can't do that because I'm not a songwriter. I'm rubbish at writing songs. But what I will do is, in a sense, I'll be, instead of writing a song a day, I'll be doing a podcast a day, which is my version of a song, you see. A bit pretentious. Well, well. Uh, wear clean clothes, look good, shine your shoes, change your socks, change the bedclothes often. All of those very good tips, obviously. Um, I don't know if it's because I live in Paris now. 
uh, because in Paris people are quite sort of fashion conscious and you get the sense also here that people kind of judge each other's clothing choices a little bit. You get the feeling that when you go out, people are sort of having a look at you and judging you. As a result, I don't know, after seven or eight years here, uh, I've started dressing a bit smarter. I wear more black and I'm going around wearing uh, black shoes and jack- nice jackets and stuff. Don't know if that's because I'm growing older or because I live in Paris or maybe a combination of the two, but it's good. It's nice to wear sort of decent and smart clothes, I think. And people treat you differently if you're well-dressed. I'm not saying I'm super well-dressed all the time, but it can make a difference just wearing sort of trousers instead of jeans or at least jeans that that aren't made of denim and uh, black shoes and things like that. It's quite good. You know, you can kind of feel maybe it's a mature growing up thing. Maybe some of you already dress like that anyway. I don't know. But anyway, it's slightly different and it's good. It's good to kind of look after your appearance a little bit, even just slightly. Um, Listen to the radio a lot is one of his things, which I think is a good idea. I often listen to BBC Radio 4, BBC 5 Live, BBC 6 Music, just around the flat when my daughter's hanging around, when I'm feeding her dinner and stuff like that. Um, keep the place clean, read lots of good books. I would love to read lots of good books. In fact, I have lots of good books just waiting for me to read them, but I never get time to read books. My reading habits are terrible, but I've received a load of books for Christmas, of course, like I always do, and they've all been added to the ever-growing list of books to read. Um, But I am looking forward to reading them all, I can tell you. Bank all extra money, save your money. So any extra money, save it. Right. But I mean, the temptation is at certain times in the year to just be like, oh, I'm just going to buy myself something really expensive. I don't know if you say it like that in your head. Oh, I'm going to buy myself something expensive. But every now and then that that feeling does come in. Have you noticed? Oh, it's time to splash out on something. And for me, it would be like, oh, I'm going to buy myself a nice expensive pair of Dr. Martin's boots or, oh, I'm going to buy a new guitar. That's probably the thing. I, sometimes I just start going on these these um, explorations into the internet where I'm searching for all these different guitars and I'm looking them all up on eBay and I'm imagining spending all the money and getting the guitar. But I've already got loads of guitars. I don't need a guitar. What I need to do is put that money aside for a rainy day. That would be the intelligent thing to do. Um, uh, what else? Well, you've got to love your parents, love your mum, love your dad, love your family members, love everybody. And wake up, make up your mind, and fight. Oh, okay. Well, anyway, there's a, a set of little rules for the new year. You can follow them or not at your convenience. So you might be asking yourself, and as we established before, this might be a bit weird. You might be asking yourself, Luke, what did you get for Christmas? Well, um, I got a fantastic gift from my wife. She gave me this little box, and I opened up the box, and there's little clues and things written on the inside of the box. So it's like the date, something 1970, and then some names, and then some other details. And it's like, hello. And I had to work out all the clues. And the clues were things like something in 1970, and then names like Eastman and James and McCulloch. And hmm, what is this? And then I was like, hello, Eastman, that's Linda Eastman. That's that's Linda McCartney. James is uh, Paul mccartney's middle name paul uh, it's, it's actually his first name james paul mccartney um mcculloch henry mcculloch is a musician he played with in wings and then 1970 is when the beatles split up and he released his first solo album 
And then it's like, oh my God, we're going to go and see Paul McCartney. So she bought me Paul McCartney tickets. He's coming to uh, Paris in May. And we're going to be going to the concert to see Paul do his full show. I understand it's somewhere in the region of two hours these days. And um, I have actually seen Paul on stage before, but it wasn't doing his uh, one of his concerts. It was at the Hyde Park uh, performance by Neil Young. So I went to see Neil Young with my uncle and aunt, who are big Neil Young fans, especially my uncle. And at the end, Neil did uh, A Day in the Life, which is a famous Beatles song from Sgt. Pepper. And Paul ran on the stage and joined him. And it's quite funny because Paul is, he's not the most kind of relaxed person. He's better in conversation. When he's on stage, he's sort of, sort of, he's trying too hard to be cool, you know, and he does a lot of pointing, a lot of pointing at Neil and thumbs up, you know, a lot of, he puts his thumbs up in the air, a lot of pointing at his friends and thumbs up, you know, Paul McCartney, woo. He does a lot of that kind of thing on stage. So he's, unless he's playing, he, he looks a bit awkward. So it's kind of funny, this awkward moment. But it was still amazing to actually see a Beatle um, up there on stage in front of us. So this will be my second chance to see him live and my first opportunity to see him do a whole concert. And I'm, I'm really excited to see an actual Beatle doing a show. And I understand that he puts on a really great show these days, even though he's in his 70s, mid-70s. I'm really interested to see which songs he chooses to play since I am a big fan and I, all, I know almost all of his work, including the solo stuff. I think he does a lot of Beatles songs these days and he has a fantastic band that he's been working with for ages. But anyway, I'm just happy to announce that I'm going to see Paul McCartney in May. Uh, so that's going to be brilliant. Um, what else happened during the holiday? Well, one of the things that we did uh, during this holiday, so it was uh, my wife and me, and our little daughter, and then my parents and my brother, one of the things we did was that uh, we booked tickets to see a screening of a short film called The Snowman. I don't know if you know The Snowman, but it's um, it was originally a comic book, and then it became a film, an animated film. And it's about, it's by a guy called Raymond Briggs, and it's about a boy who wakes up in the morning one day and discovers that uh, there's snow everywhere. And this boy lives in the countryside with he's, he's an only child. And he discovers a snowman and the snowman co- uh, comes alive. And then they have an adventure together. And it's a very sort of beautiful, magical animation, um, illustrations. And it's all um, just music. There's no speaking at all in the whole film. It's all it's silent except for the music and some of the sound effects and stuff. Um, and uh, it's it's really magical and amazing, and I remember watching it when I was a child. So we decided to take our daughter to see The Snowman, and um, it was being screened in the local church. So they put a big screen up at the end of the, the main room in the church, and uh, stained glass windows everywhere, you know, like a proper old English church, uh, and they had a live orchestra playing along, during the film and there was some singing as well so uh, and lots of chairs laid out lots of people the place was full of people who came to see the snowman and um, I mean I'll tell you the I'll tell you the um, the basic synopsis of the plot just to give you it in a nutshell spoiler alert for those of you who've never seen the snowman this is what happens so there's a boy he lives in a house probably like an old farmhouse or something in the countryside and he lives with his parents. He's an only child. And he seems to just sort of be a bit lonely playing on his own. And he wakes up 
early one morning to notice that uh, it snowed in the night and uh, everywhere around is covered in a thick layer of snow. And so he runs downstairs and sort of gets a sweater on and gets his boots on and he goes out to start playing in the snow. And you see him running around, dancing in the snow and stuff. And eventually he builds a snowman. So he rolls up uh, some big snowballs and puts them on top of each other and fashions this the shape of a person. He puts a hat on its head. He takes, um, I guess it's an orange from the kitchen and uses that as the snowman's nose. And the snowman also is given uh, lumps of coal as his buttons and he's got a little smile on his face and stuff. And the kid uh, ends his day playing in the snow, leaving the snowman out in front of the house with its back to the house. So he sort of, before he goes in, he turns around, you see the snowman's back. He appears to be looking out into the distance and the boy then goes in. And um, during the night, he wakes up, right? So the whole house is asleep and it's, everything's, you know, silent. And he wakes up and he goes downstairs to peer out of the window to have a look at his snowman. He peers out the window and as he's looking at the snowman, it quickly turns around and looks at him which is quite a shocking sort of magical moment, especially the way it's edited, this snowman. And, you know, when you see the snowman, when you see it back and it's facing away, there is this sense that is that snowman alive or not? And when it turns its head, it's quite a surprising moment. And that's when really things start picking up and the boy goes out and meets the snowman and he invites him into the house and they have little adventures. They've got to be very quiet because their parents, uh, his parents are asleep. So they're having these sort of mis- adventures. The snowman is discovering uh, the, the life of the humans. He's like in the kitchen discovering things and the boy is showing him all his toys and stuff. And it's very, very sweet. And the snowman is sort of, doesn't know about human life and what goes on in a house. So everything's new to him. But he starts kind of, uh, he realises he's getting too hot because he's next to the fire. He starts melting, so they quickly go outside. And at that point, you're in the snowman's land and he's showing the boy around and he's showing him what he can do and they ride around on a motorbike and stuff. And then at one point, the snowman reveals that he is actually able to fly. And then it's like really magical. They go on a, uh, they, they go flying through the sky, over the house, across the fields there are many houses and little villages down below and they fly all the way out to lapland and they meet they have a big uh, they arrive at this big snowman party up there in the in the arctic circle somewhere and father christmas is there and the boy has a full-on adventure and the snowman eventually brings him home and the boy goes into bed and again he looks he looks back at the snowman who's again in the original position he was in the boy goes to sleep and in the morning the sun has come out and the temperature's gone up, so it's kind of warmer outside. It's not snowing anymore. The boy goes downstairs uh, and he goes outside to see his snowman and the snowman is kind of melted on the ground. It's like really sad. Um, it's kind of like this melted sort of uh, snowman with like a, an orange lying on the floor and stuff and, and that's the end of the snowman. But it's kind of, um, yeah, it's a very, very magical and amazing thing. We didn't know what my two-year-old would think um of this and as i've established in the previous episode sometimes um sometimes she can be a bit of a handful if she's not up for it if she doesn't really want to do whatever it is you're trying to make her do it can be difficult so we're wondering oh how's this going to go but i mean we thought it would be okay because she does like to watch cartoons we try not to let her watch them too much but uh, she does get captivated by 
screens and cartoons. So we thought it would be all right. So we all came in, sat down. She was wandering around all the way until the, the film started. I let her kind of wander around by the, uh, on the side of the church and sort of investigate stuff. When the film started, I grabbed her and sat her on my lap. And then the film uh, began and she was completely locked into it. It was absolutely hilarious watching her little face staring up with her mouth kind of open like... Uh, she was totally into it and at one point my wife turned to her and said you know are you enjoying it and our daughter just went shh just put her finger up to her mouth and just went shh like you know and pointed at the screen like shh, shut up i'm watching um and so she absolutely loved it all of it and uh all of us did you know uh even started getting a little misty-eyed at certain occasions uh, but it was magical and fantastic. And now she's completely ad- obsessed by snowmen. Uh, except she doesn't say snowman. She says Senan. Because she can't really say snowman. So it comes out Senan. Senan. So she's constantly saying Senan, Senan. And whenever she sees a snowman somewhere, she'll be like Senan, Senan. She, in fact, one night during the holiday, she woke up in bed, kind of crying and going Senan, Senan, Senan. So she'd obviously been having a dream about a Senan, <laughs> a snowman. She must have been dreaming about a snowman. So she kept saying, Senan, Senan. Um, and even when we were in the airport going home, she spotted a snowman on one of the video screens. So she was like, Senan, Senan. So there you go. She's obsessed by Senans, snowmen. So, okay, I did say I was going to talk about my daughter's English and about her bilingualism and stuff. So let me now talk about that. Um, I've received quite a lot of correspondence from listeners on this subject, because recently I have talked about the subject of bilingualism in children and raising bilingual kids and the various different situations and scenarios that might exist out there. And many of you have got back to me and either either told me about your experiences, and I'm hoping to use that stuff in some series that I'm going to do about bilingual children. That's one of the projects I have for the year. Uh, But it just shows me also that there's quite a lot of interest in the subject of bilingualism in kids. So let me just talk now about my daughter's English. And as I said, I will turn this into a more sort of proper episode series this year. So is she bilingual? Is my daughter bilingual? So I've said before, she's two years old, right? Uh, We live in France. My wife is French. Uh, Our daughter goes to a a French uh, creche. That's a daycare centre where she's looked after with other kids in the area. Um, Is she bilingual? Well, um, it's hard to say because she's not fully speaking yet. So in a couple of years, when she's able to actually hold down a, a conversation of some sort, it'll be much easier to tell what level of bilingualism we've got going on. Um, but she does speak. Um, I've got a recording of her speaking, which I will be playing uh, on this episode later, just to give you a sample of what her English is like. Because, I mean, I've I've had recordings of her on the podcast before. Um, and so it's I'm kind of trying to reveal her progress as she learns the language bit by bit until maybe one, one day when she's old enough and we've, decide, we've decided it's sort of okay, she could be a, a guest on this, this show. It could be interesting to talk to my daughter on this podcast, but that's many years down the line. Anyway, is she bilingual? Well, I would, I would say so. She uses words from both French and English. Are we raising her to be bilingual? Yes, that's the idea. We are uh, trying to raise her to be fluent and uh, sort of native level in both English and French. That's the idea. We want her to be able to speak English with no 
influence from her French, so it's got to be English like an English person like me, and we also want her to speak French like a French person like my daughter. My daughter? Like my wife. Oh, God. Freud would have a field day on that one, wouldn't he? Um, Sigmund Freud, come here. What does this mean? Anyway, so we are raising her to be bilingual. How are you working on her two languages? Well, as I've said, I'm planning a whole series of podcast episodes about this, but let's talk about it a bit now. So there are certain principles, right? So first of all, one of the main principles is that kids need a reason to learn another language, right? They need a a reason to learn it. They've got their first language. The reason is obvious because you know, they're living in the country, everyone else around them is speaking that language, Uh, they're hearing it at school, the other kids that they see at school are all speaking that language, so it's obvious. So to learn another language, in my case, that would be English for my daughter, she needs a good reason, she needs to realise exactly why. So French is obvious, the reason reason why uh, she's going to be learning French is obvious, the reason for learning English is something I'm working on. And I, th- I think that I'm going to be able to do it, I hope. And it's going to come from my relationship with her uh, largely. I think a, a lot of the English she's going to learn is going to come from me, the poor girl. Uh, I'm going to be her portal to the English-speaking world. And I suppose I've had quite a lot of practice in that department. So it seems that uh, it seems to help if you do English in certain situations or always with a certain person. Okay, that seems to help that that if, you know, the kid knows, okay, we're doing this, therefore we do, it's going to be English. Even things like in the morning, you speak English and in the afternoon, you speak the other language or whatever it is, or when you're doing certain things or when you're with certain people. For example, she speaks English with me. She speaks English with my wife sometimes when we're at home, but she always speaks English with me. Uh, There's also the concept of the major language and the minor language. And, you know, you, you will find that uh, one of the la- languages will be the major language, the other one is the minor language, and you've got to try and prop up the minor language, or maybe shift situations so that the minor language sometimes becomes the major language, so she's surrounded by people speaking, let's say, English. So in our case, outside French is that we've got outside the house and inside the house, outside the home and inside the home, and then there's holidays and stuff but mostly it's outside and inside. So outside, French is the major language, and I'm not worried about her picking it up like a native. I'm just assuming she's going to learn French just naturally. She goes to daycare in French. She will go to school in French. She'll have French-speaking friends going to French-speaking parties. There's no doubt that she'll learn French. English is the minor language there because she'll only use it sometimes, usually when I'm with her. Okay. Other than that, she won't be using English that much outside, depending on who she hangs out with and what she does in her life. Certainly in the early years, probably not. Then in the house, in the house, so the inside, English is the major language and French is the minor one. So I speak English with her. I speak English to my wife and my wife speaks English to me and she speaks a lot of English and some French with uh, my daughter, our daughter. Uh, We have English books, we listen to English songs, and also I just play BBC Five Live, Six Music or Radio 4 in the background quite a lot. She likes watching some cartoons in English and is quite obsessed by the Beatles, which I'm uh, very happy about, mainly because it's one of the only things I've allowed her to watch on YouTube. So sometimes she will actually request the Beatles and I'll let her watch videos of, um, you know, Beatle videos on YouTube. And it's like live 
footage of them performing live or interviews with them or footage of them in the studio doing doing their songs. She just loves watching that. And I kind of understand it because there is something quite nice, wholesome, and yet fascinating about the dynamic that they have between them. And they're, they're a good vibe. They're just sort of upbeat and they there's a lot of smiling and joking around and they're charming. And so, yeah, I'm happy for her to... to um, watch those things and she recognizes the Beatles now when she sees them when she sees the album covers she's only two years old and she's going Beatles Beatles um, so she, you can tell that she's my daughter also when we go back to England she spends all her time in English talking to my parents my brother and just people in shops and stuff sometimes she sees her cousins and speaks English with, uh, with them um, uh, but they live in the US these days they live in uh, Los Angeles uh, these days, so they don't see them that often. But when they do see each other, it's always a big boost for her because they're all speaking English. They're s- singing certain songs and she like really is trying to catch up and it's always a huge boost when they see each other. In terms of her having a reason for learning English, hopefully it will be obvious, but I expect at some point I will have to explain it to her. There, prob- there might be a point where she will start saying things like, Daddy, why don't you speak French? Why do I have to do it in English? You know, that might happen. And I'm going to have to say that basically English is the language of, of her dad. You know, English is my language and all of my side of the family. And it is uh, where I come from. It's my culture. She is English as well as French. She's actually got both passports. She is 100% English and 100% French. So it's dual citizenship. So I can say to her, you also English. You know, it's going to be like Star Wars. You know, the force is strong in my family. My father has it. I have I, I have it. You have that power too. You know, um, so she is English too. And so this is a whole aspect of her personality and her family. Also, if she really, if she wants to really get to know me, she needs to do it in English. Hopefully she'll be actually interested. The other persuasive things are the fact that a lot of TV, music and films are in English and English can give her more opportunities in the future. And hopefully I can convince her that it's somehow cool to be able to speak English like an English person. Maybe if I instill you know, uh, a certain kind of uh, pride in things like the Beatles and other stuff, then maybe she can also take pride in her English speaking as well. So her English is coming along. I think her French is a bit better at the moment, but the English is not far behind. Uh, Bilingual children generally take a lot longer to speak. Well, not a lot longer. They take a bit longer to speak. Uh, So generally, because she's learning two languages, it's taking her a bit more time. If she was just doing one, she'd be more fluent than she is now but because she's got two it's taking a bit more time but it's amazing to see it happen right so i now want to play a recording of her uh to you and um so this is something that i recorded over the christmas and new year holiday period let's see if i can just get the volume right here hold on a minute okay right so this is stuff i recorded sort of during the holiday just um because I was listening to her speaking, I just wanted to capture some of it. I thought it might be interesting to share some of it on the podcast. As I said, I'm, I'm trying to do this regularly so that if you're a long-term listener, you get the sense of development of my daughter's English. So she's now, as I said, two years old. So you're going to hear her, what she's saying. I can't remember. She, she um, Okay, she's asking for water. And then she starts singing because she starts singing the clean, clean up song. Uh, everybody clean up clean up something like that i can't remember it now uh clean up clean up everybody 
everywhere. That's it. And also she um, she talks about snowman. So I show her a picture of the snowman on my phone and she says, send Nan a couple of times. And then I show her a picture of a Beatles t-shirt and she says Beatles a couple of times. So anyway, I'll play it to you. See what you make of this. Can you understand all the things she's saying? Here we go. So by the way, that de l'eau, de l'eau, de l'eau, that's French, meaning water, please, water. We're trying. I'm trying to encourage her to say, please, daddy. Water, please, daddy. Something like that. So de l'eau, de l'eau is water, water. De l'eau. Do go into what do you want some water? Please. Okay, do you want to come with me into the kitchen? No. Oh, what you want me to just bring it to you? No. No? Well what do what do you want to do about water? No. You just want some water. Please. I know you're saying please, that's very sweet. But how are we gonna get the water? Do you want to come with me? No. As we go into the kitchen to get your cup. That's good, you're putting the books. Everybody, everywhere. This is the song we sing when we clean things up. And at the moment we're putting the books back in the box. So we're singing, clean up, clean up. Everybody, everywhere. Clean up, clean up. Everybody do your share. Clean up. What's that on the front though? What's, what's that? A mouse, that's right. Clean up, clean up. What's that? Squirrel. Very good. Whoa. Are you going to do your hooligan song? Can you do it? And also you do... So this is actually her singing like a hooligan, which is a thing that she does, but she's not really doing it properly here because she's sitting on the floor. But uh, when she stands on a chair, you have to hold her hands while she's doing it. She stands up on a chair. She goes for the full hooligan. She sounds like an English football. Uh, 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 English football hooligan. She sounds like a football hooligan. I think she starts doing it more loudly in a second. There's, By the way, there's only a two two more minutes worth of this <laughs> and she starts talking a bit more in a moment rather than just singing like a hooligan you're not singing them in the hooligan style you're singing them in the normal style do you want to do the hooligan version standing up come on that's it stand on my legs go for it sound like a little football hooligan don't you right water Come on then. Let's go and get you some water to drink. Because all this playing is uh, makes you thirsty, doesn't it? What are you doing? You're pretending to drink water. There you go. Ah, dinosaur, dinosaur. It's going to get me. Yeah. Playing a game with a little dinosaur. We've got loads of magnetic dinosaurs that we keep stuck to the fridge. And every now and then this little one tries to get me. Yeah, this. Do you know what this is? What is it? It's a microphone. Yeah, you can speak into it. I have to say hello. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. Go on, speak. There's a test. 
Yeah. And today I'm I'm with my daughter. I'm joined by my daughter. It's maybe the second time, third time you've been on this podcast. What do you think about this then? Can you say some can you say some normal sentences and words? Oh you want to do all the numbers, okay. Ready? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Baba. Baba. Bye bye or baba. Baba. Really? Um, let's do that song. One, two, buckle my shoe. Three, four, knock at the door. Five, six, pick up sticks. Seven, eight, lay them straight. Nine, ten, a big fat hen. It's so easy to count. Yeah. Where are you going? She's running away. I'm going to show you something and I want you to react to it, okay? Right, I'm going to go and get my phone and try and show her a photo of the snowman. And let's see how she says this word. I'm going to show you a picture. I want you to tell me what it is, okay? What is it? Carrot. <laughs> what? what? What is it? Carrot. Sanan? Do you like the snowman? You want to hold the phone, right? This is going to end in tears because whenever I give her my phone, it's very difficult to get it back. Huh? Seven. Yeah. I'm going to show you something on this T-shirt. I want you to tell me what you can see. Okay? Ready? Here we go. What is it? What's this? Pickles. Sorry? It's the... Pickles. Yeah, very good. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, so that was my daughter. Um, thank you for tolerating that if you're not one of those kid people. But I don't know. I mean, I'm, I've just, as I said, I'm trying to keep a record of my daughter's progress in English. You can hear that she's saying some individual words. She actually says a bit more than is revealed in that recording. And also, she does this babbling in an alien language. Like, what? What is that? I think it's all part of a child's natural development, actually, that they kind of speak a lot of nonsense before they start to make sense. And I don't know if adults learn English like kids learn English, but at least it shows that I wouldn't feel too bad about babbling incoherent nonsense for a couple of years before you actually start making sense in this language. That's the kind of level of progress you can expect to make in the beginning. Um, but, you know, she's not afraid. She tries. She just tries to make herself understood. She's not really conscious of the process of learning a language, I think, although she seems to remember words if you encourage her to remember them. It's, um, it's very interesting. Anyway, I'll come back to the subject of bilingual children in proper detail as I go through an episode series on that this year. That's one of my plans for the year. Um, talking about plans for the year, I'm going to just wrap up here near the end. I've just got ooh, a couple of things left to say. The next thing is um, talking about upcoming episodes of the podcast. So I, in the previous one, I talked about how I've got this whole Star Wars thing coming up that's going to be the one after this recording, as James and me rambling about Star Wars in a sort of funny way. And then after that, uh, episode 636, 37 and 38 will be a three-part series, which is called, tentatively called, Quintessentially British Things. So this is a, a podcast series that's coming soon. I think I've mentioned it, so I won't go on, go on about it too much. 
But here's a little preview of what's to come for the next uh, few episodes. So there's the Star Wars Mega Ramble with James, and then a series of one-to-one conversations with members of my family. So there's one with James, one with my dad, and then one with my mum. The idea was that I wanted to pick a few typically English or typically British things and then talk about them on the podcast. And they could be anything that uh, uh, my family members thought was interesting or worth talking about. So quintessentially English, meaning very typical examples of Britishness or Englishness, and not the usual cliches like tea, fish and chips, Mr. Bean and stuff like that. So I wanted us to talk about typically English or British things, but not the obvious cliches. The result is three conversations about some interesting aspects of British culture, history and geography, and also a good chance to get to know each member of my family a bit more through the British things that they like talking about. So coming soon to Luke's English podcast, quintessentially British things with different members of my family. And then finally, well, this is one thing I'd like to talk about at the end here is Neil Innes, who's a, a hero of mine, who unfortunately, who sadly died on the 29th of November. So I want to just talk about Neil Innes a little bit before we finish this episode here. So um, going back to that episode series called Quintessentially British Things, I interviewed James, uh, dad and mum for that series, but nobody interviewed me. Uh, just because there wasn't really time. But if they had interviewed me, then one of my quintessentially British things would be Neil Innes, um, who sadly died on the 29th of December. Neil was one of my favourite people in the world, and I was really sad to know that he died, as was everyone else in my family, because we're we're all big fans. So do you know who Neil Innes is? He's a very big figure, I think, in our cultural sort of legacy, but he's not one that everybody knows, really. Uh, Neil Innes is interesting, the, the space that he occupied in our culture, because he's, he he's exists somewhere between the Beatles and Monty Python. Okay, so obviously for me, that's a, that's a, uh, a very important area, because I love the comedy, I love the surrealism, I love the work of the Beatles, that period of time, and the, the culture that came out of that period. There's my kind of things that I'm interested in, especially sort of British stuff. So Neil Innes was a a songwriter and a singer, a musician, also a comedian. And he worked, I guess the stuff he's most known for is the work he did with the Bonzo Dog Doodah Band, which I mentioned recently on this podcast, and also with the Beatles in the Magical Mystery Tour um, film, they that the, the band appear in that film. And also he worked with Paul McCartney, who produced... Um, Neil Innes's probably biggest hit which is called The Urban Spaceman and Paul McCartney was the producer they recorded it I think in Abbey Road Studios uh, but also later on Neil Innes went on to work with um, Eric Idle and in fact the entire Monty Python team providing music for their films and bit parts and a few sketches here and there then he went on to work with Eric Idle who was one of the Pythons and together they produced this amazing film, which is a parody of the Beatles story, but it's about a, a group called the Ruttles. So Eric kind of wrote the film, which is a documentary, a parody documentary of this made up group called the Ruttles, who appear to have uh, a career exactly like the Beatles. So the whole thing is making fun of the Beatles. And uh, Neil Innes was given the task of writing 20 or so songs that sound like the Beatles. And he went away and something like over a weekend or over just a couple of weeks, he wrote this album of 
songs and they are really fantastic songs like really really good but they're parody Beatles songs so they 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 sound like Beatles songs some of them sound like specific Beatles songs other ones sound like lots of different Beatles songs but they are amazing parodies because they're so um close to being like the Beatles that they become great in their own right so for me the 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 output of the Ruttles is next to the output of the Beatles that they somehow exist in the same universe um so Neil Innes was a good friend of George Harrison's and um then later on he did solo work and produced solo albums and things like that but he's just always been uh, someone whose work I really admire, but also a person who just appeared to be really a nice person and someone who cared about all the right things, someone who just seemed to get the balance right. So um, let's see. Uh, yeah, so Neil Innes went on to record several albums which had music videos too um, and a TV show that my parents uh, loved watching. The albums, the, the solo albums that he did, uh, span many genres of music. And there are a lot of really interesting, funny and spellbinding songs in his discography. Neil Innes was a brilliant songwriter, an excellent lyricist, a very wise man, an aware man who seemed to live a sort of fairly ordinary suburban life. I don't know that much about his life, but I think he's because he never really exploded to the level of fame as the Pythons or the Beatles. He was, you know, quite an obscure person, even though he did have one or two big hits. So I think he led a fairly sort of ordinary life while also being part of this rock star and this comedy world. Um, So he lived a fairly ordinary life. So he was very much in touch with just the usual middle class life that most people experience. But also he was writing these sort of psychedelic masterpieces. I think that he is uh, a national treasure or he was, but he's still not that well known. Still, the newspapers published obituaries of him um, and there was a lot of stuff on Twitter with various people announcing the sad news and wishing his family well. But for me, it's just sad knowing that he's not with us anymore. You know, when there's someone in the world that you think is great and you feel like the world benefits as a result and then that person is gone, you you know, you feel the loss in the world, you know? And it, you just feel like the world is a, is not as good a place as it used to be because this particular person is gone. That's the feeling I had. It's just like damn you know we don't have him around anymore i used to follow him on twitter and he he was just he he had good common sense and he seemed to just get the right position on most things while still being funny and his heart was in the right place so it's sad that he's he's no longer with us uh my mum announced the news when my dad me and my daughter had been out to the park we came in to the house and she came in with a tear in her eye and she said neil innes has died uh, so we were all sad. We all used to listen to the Ruttles songs at home and in the car. And we watched the Ruttles film lots of times together. James and Dad even went to see the Ruttles perform in London, which was mainly just Neil Innes and his band doing all the songs. So there you go. That's Neil Innes. And maybe I'll post something on the page for this episode so you can kind of like see uh, what you think of him. So a long ramble about Star Wars, and then three episodes about quintessentially British things, which I think you should find interesting. That's what's coming up next on Luke's English Podcast. As ever, thank you for sticking with the podcast all the way to the end of the episode and for being a loyal listener. Don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel, download the Luke's English Podcast app from the App Store, and consider becoming a premium subscriber in 2020 by going to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium. (laughs) Okay, I've decided to end with a song. I've got the guitar. 
in front of me here. And I'm, I'm going to do a song. So I'm going to do one of Neil Innes' songs. And this is the, one of the ones he wrote for the Ruttles uh, Archaeology Project, which was their response to the Beatles anthology. So this is like the mid-90s. And Neil Innes came out with a bunch of new uh, Ruttles songs. So this one is in a sort of a John Lennon style. And I always see it as something like Glass Onion. If you're familiar with the Beatles stuff, for me, this is like... He's a, doing a sort of a John Lennon parody. It's definitely John. And um, I think it's something like Glass Onion, but it's one of those cutting, snide, psychedelic songs that John did around sort of 1967. You know, a bit like I Am The Walrus, which is very sarcastic and sort of uh, um, acidic kind of thing. So this is like that. It's a sort of a psych- acidic, psychedelic, cutting bit of uh, wordplay in the style of John Lennon from Neil Innes. And there's certain words, it's meant to be sung in a, in a John Lennon Liverpool accent. Unfin- unfinished words, not unfinished words, but unfinished words like these, unfinished words like cheese and onion, help me to write this marzipan song. You know, it's supposed to be sung with that sort of scouse, that sort of snide, sardonic scouse kind of voice that Lennon had. Unfinished words flying like birds high in the sky above my deck chair. Uh, I don't like, and the lyrics are ridiculous. It's like um, food analogies and stuff because, like, a lot of um, Lennon's psychedelic lyrics were like, you know, uh, mustard dripping out of a dead dog's eye and this kind of thing. And in this one, it's like, I don't like anchovies on top of strawberries and cream, pink litmus paper shirt turning blue. So it's a it's a parody of John Lennon's psychedelic material. I'll probably muck up some of the chords, but it doesn't matter. Unfinished words like these Unfinished words like cheese and onion Help me to write this marzipan song Unfinished words Flying like birds High in the sky above my deck chair I don't like anchovies On top of strawberries and cream Pink litmus paper shirt turning blue Kippers and jam Custard and spam Are only just the stuff of dreams I can't pretend be someone who pretends to be someone else or so my pretend friend tells me unfinished words flying like birds colliding circles in the sky is right and right is wrong but there it is I I mean I just 
love that stuff and for me it's like up there with the Beatles stuff anyway glad you listened to that I hope you are too thanks for listening all the way to the end I'll speak to you again in the next one but for now it's time to say goodbye bye 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 Hello, actually, we're not done yet because I've decided I'm going to play you another little song. And this one is from the man himself. This is actually Neil Innes um, from the video on YouTube, which is entitled NPR Music Tiny Desk Concert. You might be aware of these little concerts. NPR, National Public Radio in America, uh, have this little video series where they have artists who come into a little room and perform some songs in front of a small audience. And so this is one called Democracy, which comes from uh, that video clip. And it's just an example of... It's a simple little song. It doesn't do that much musically, really. A lot of his other stuff has is, is got a bit more sophistication to it than this. But it's just nice lyrically. It starts out sounding like uh, a sort of series of fairly uh, um, normal, slightly soppy um, uh, things that you might say in favour of democracy. Like, everyone needs to be treated equally. Everyone should be given an equal chance. Even people who... who um, are a disadvantage, you know, that we should give them a chance. So it sounds like it's it's potentially kind of a soppy sort of song, but there's a twist near the end, which is actually very enjoyable. So see if you can just sort of notice the twist that he adds in with a little, with a sort of tongue-in-cheek attitude um, at the end of the song. Anyway, I invite you to check out Neil Innes's other work and certainly the Ruttles. You should watch uh, All You Need Is Cash, which is the Ruttles film, and then you can, you know, Look up Neil Innes' other work too. I should do a whole film club episode about the Ruttles. Anyway, here's Neil Innes uh, performing this song that I've never found anywhere else. It's almost like he just performed it on this video. The song is called Democracy. Now, here's a song that was written in conditions of extreme luxury, and it's political, and it's called Democracy. And democracy, in case you don't know, is something that can't be dropped out of an aeroplane at 40,000 feet. didn't do a sound check for this, did we? Who cares? Yeah, conditions of extreme luxury in Barbados. Let's face it. Like it or not, each and every one of us should be. This is a good town for this song. As important as each other. In a democracy Even those Who are helpless Through no fault of their own No siree Treat them well They are our children And they rely on us Totally In a democracy In a democracy Oh yeah We all have our crosses to bear Let's face it Like it or not Each and every one of us should be as important as each other in a democracy, even those 
who are no good, no good at anything, no siree. Just remember, they are our leaders, and we vote for them foolishly. In a democracy, in a democracy, oh yeah, we all have our crosses to bear, all together now, in a democracy, oh yeah, what a cool town, we all have our crosses to bear. Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation teaching from me and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.